You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. This is Debbie and I'm here with Christy. Christy, how are you? Good. Happy 2024. I can't believe that. I've had to write. I've written the date a few times now and every time I'm writing 2024, I'm like, oh goodness. Every year that year changes. (laughs) Yes, it does. It just keeps changing every year, no matter what. I keep adding a year. (laughs) What do you write? Do you write checks? Like, why do you write the date? Well, I've had to fill out, like I've taken kids to the doctor already. So I had to do all those insurance forms they make you do. And I've had to, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Have to do that already. I remember in 2023, which was just a couple days ago, I, it was probably June or July and I was writing 2022 and I didn't even know what year it was. (laughs) I was like, yeah, it's 2023. Yeah. And six months later, now it's 2024. And I will do those kind of brain dumps every once in a while, too. And I fully anticipate that it'll be like May oh, yeah. at some point. I'll write mm-hmm. 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I totally I think that's true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I heard somebody last week say they are starting 2024 with a limp. With a limp? Mm-hmm. Okay. So are you starting like... 2020, 20, 2024 with a limp? Are and are you they starting meaning it... I'm entering into it slow or I'm already kind of handicapped for the year because I've got something going on in my life that's making things hard already? Like what is their thought on starting with a limp? What I was that... so bothered by the saying and derailed my thought process that I didn't even like that made me sad for them. That made me wonder. And I went into my own head thinking, why would you say that? Why are you starting with a limp? Not why would you say that, but like what what's going on? And it made but me you sad. didn't ask him. No, I wasn't. I wanted to, but it wasn't. It wouldn't have been smart. Oh, really? Or okay. To ask that question to <laughs> okay. the person that said it. Well, you're just reading. You're was. reading the room. Yes, reading the room. There's nothing. That's good. That's but good. I, I really want to have a follow up conversation. Still, For probably sure. not going to, but I really want to. Yeah, really want to. But I was, and I thought, I hope people aren't entering 2024 with a limp. Mm. So, are you entering 2024 with a limp? I don't feel like I am. I mean, I'm coming out of a season of getting sick a lot. I'm hoping that is going to be done. So um, I'm trying to enter 2024 with a positive, joyful. A bounce in your step. A bounce in my step. Versus a limp. Right. Mm -hmm. I, well, and I think for us, I mean, we're about to be empty nesters, right? Um, We, meaning you and Jamie, My husband and I, not you. That's true. (laughs) We want to make that clear. (laughs) Jamie and I are. (laughs) And so there's an element of just knowing you're entering a time that if you're not careful can be actually really kind of sad and hard mm-hmm. because you're like, our life really is going to be different. And our choice has been, okay, we're going to try to not do that mm-hmm. and just, again, enter that season. So part of the entering the year is probably what you're staring down for 2024, right? Like, what are you looking at? But even that mentality, staring down, like, yeah. staring down, yeah. like, oh my gosh, versus being like, looking up, right? Like that mentality. Of like, yes, that's true. Are we looking at it like, oh gosh, what does 2024 hold? Or is mm-hmm. it like, yes, 2020, new year, fresh new, fresh year, what, what's going to happen this year? I'm excited. Yes. I don't feel like people are as excited as, as I am. And I have nothing to look forward to. I mean, like, I'm not, like, excited about something. You have a kid graduating. 
Well, I know that's not exciting to me. <laughs> but I mean, I don't have like, I legit don't have anything on the calendar that I could say I'm excited because of this. I just mm-hmm. would want to start the new year with a bounce in my step versus a limp in my walk. Yeah. So that was my, my question to you on that one. And there's something, and it's funny because it's like, you're just, it's just another day you're adding, yes! but there's something about knowing a whole new year starting that for whatever reason, mindset wise, it does feel like a bit of a reset. I mean, yeah. even though there's a reason it's why just God adding created, another year yes. a day or whatever, um, to the, the day why before. There's a calendar that was created. Yeah. I mean, and we celebrate it yeah. and we should celebrate it. Shall celebrate the new year. And what does that hold? But not look down, not have a loop. Not be like, oh God, it's an Eeyore mentality. Yeah. I used to coach a girl. She was so great. But I would, under my breath, would call her Eeyore. Because, like, that's how she did life. Like, coach, I mean, what did I do wrong? And I'd be like, let's talk about what you did right. Like, what you got right. Well, I mean, I'm really bad at this. I mean, she, even the way she talked, it was like, home, dee dum. Well, and that's so interesting you bring that up because we were talking earlier about Chuck Sermon Sunday about habits. Yes. Even the mindset like that can be habit, right? It's Mm -hmm. habit forming. Yeah. And so part of looking into the year, probably if we want to encourage everybody is Mm -hmm. to say, how do I form habits in my mind that then are reflected well outside of me? Right. Because are you going to form, are we going to form a habit? Like our, our guest today is like, she's a professor, but she Mm -hmm. did this whole study on like laughter and Mm -hmm. what it does for the soul and the spirit and the person And so part of it is, are you going to form a habit to where you're going to um, understand that the Lord is sovereign and in control in such a way that gives you freedom Mm -hmm. and allows you to feel positive Mm -hmm. about life and about what you're doing and peace, maybe even because maybe some we know some people going through some really hard stuff with kids and with health husbands, things and husbands and, and just life horrible and, things mm-hmm. finding peace in the middle of that is really really difficult yeah um well as you were talking about um looking forward and finding god's sovereignty <clears throat> excuse me i was thinking of the proverbs 31 of learning to laugh at the days to come yeah like are you able to get to that point where you can laugh you can know god's in control know that there's a season for everything a season to laugh a season to cry like it talks about in what is that Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. and really sitting in that and going, this is my season where I'm going to cry. This is my season where I'm going to laugh. This is my season where I'm going to put on my pajamas at four o'clock in the afternoon. And that's okay. That was my season in December. It was so mine. I loved it. I've gotten to where it's like I put, I get home from work and I'm putting on like pajamas or sweats and that's my, I've never layer. done this. Oh my word. And it was yeah. so heavenly. Yeah. And I, Allowed myself because you it. didn't have to go out for practices or no, games so or great. anything. So yeah. great, yeah. And I was like, I've got to learn. At first, I felt guilty. I felt like I was not being productive. It's still five o'clock, and I was like, Yeah, go cook dinner in your pajama right. pants. You're cozy. Your yeah. loungewear. Yeah, it's not my pajamas. In your in your newly my remodeled lounge. kitchen uh-huh. and my loungewear. Look yeah. So that fine. kind of stuff. So a good habit is to not put on your loungewear at five o'clock. That would be a bad habit, but it was a season of it. It'll be fine. Um, but, uh, Chuck talked about habits. And so what resonated with me is staying in God's word as a yeah. habit. And he did talk about mm-hmm. that and he has got a great reading plan and things like that, but to do it in community. So of course I always like to push Bible studies and we've yeah. got Bible studies on Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, two on Wednesday night and one on Friday morning to, if you can't do it alone, 
Mm-hmm. You don't know how to. You don't like to. I listened to this great podcast with Arnold Schwarzenegger the other day, and he was so great because he wrote a new book, which I want to read. But he talked about, somebody said, you have the ability to have a gym. Like, he goes to Gold's Gym, and he works out every day. Arnold Schwarzenegger leaves his home. He goes to a yeah. public gym. Yeah. And they were like, do they charge you to come in? And he was like, yes, I pay a fee. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Instead of goes, having his personal gym in his house, and that's he what they were saying. You can, you have the ability, and you can afford to have this amazing gym, weight. And he was like, oh, no, I get energized by, like, sweating with others and working out with others and lifting weights with others. And I was like, yes. And that's why he goes, and he goes every day. And he works out for, like, two hours yep. every day. But I thought, we can all take a lesson from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like if it's hard to do things at home or you don't feel energized by it, or if you're the opposite, you get energy from people to go. Like I'm always impressed with women that come to Bible studies on Wednesday night after they've worked. Right. And they show up and they are exhausted. Yep. I mean, they are, you can tell by their body and their body language. Like they just kind of land in their chair, like boom, boom, yeah, I'm here. And you're like, that's awesome. But by the end, they walk out with more of a, they walk in with a limp in their leg and they walk out with a pep in their step. Yep. Because they're with community, they're with people, they're getting God's truth, they're understanding it, they're diving into it, and they may never say a word. They may not say one word because they're so over people, but they still show up. And I'm always impressed with them. I tell them that. I'm always impressed that y'all keep on coming back. But that's a habit. It is and their habit. car just automatically turns out of work and it just shows up at church mm-hmm. because they know it's a habit. And it's kind of those things. If you have kids, small kids, happy to come to the Friday morning one or the Wednesday morning one. Well, Wednesday morning doesn't check it come on Friday morning and have your kids be in the habit of waking up and going to Bible study on Friday morning and they're going to go to church. And now that becomes a family habit. So yeah. And even Sunday morning coming to church, Sunday morning should be a habit. Yes. It should not be an option. Yeah. Yes. And Unless I think you're that can be a struggle. Yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's important because, and you brought up kids helping form kind of habits with Again, the understanding that you can have kind of a rhythm to your home. Yes. That helps them, that models habits that are good, that Mm -hmm. models habits that are life-giving to each other. Yeah. And which is things like, we're going to get up as a family and go to church, Mm -hmm. which is things like, if you upset me, I'm not angry and yelling because I know part of living together is understanding how to talk and use our words Mm -hmm. and, and deal with conflict well. And so I think... The habits that God would say, like we talked about um, yesterday with fifth grade, um, we started off the year talking about being slow to anger, slow to speak and quick to Mm -hmm. listen. And that being like a habit you can form Mm -hmm. within your mind, Mm -hmm. like how, and I'm not, I, I've had to work my whole life on being slow to speak, mm-hmm. um, with people I let, like I'm shy until I get to know you kind of thing, but I'd like to talk. And you unleash and so the beast. I do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> slow to anger. I've, I'm not an angry per- like yeah. that. I'm, I'm grateful that hasn't been an issue for me, but I will uh, fully acknowledge mm-hmm. being slow to speak has been a struggle for me. Same here. Yeah. I so I, but again, just because it's hard doesn't mean God doesn't give you the tools to address oh, the things that are a totally weakness for gives you. you the tools. Absolutely. And so that's part of the positive mindset that you're stepping in with, right? Mm-hmm. It's just because this is hard for me to change. Doesn't mean it can't be changed. Doesn't mean I can't change it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I'm powerless right. to do something with mm-hmm. it. And so if you're looking at something you really want to be different about yourself, I think that's what can be hard. Like if you're like, I've always wanted to exercise, but I can't do it. I hate it. Figure out how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and maybe you're a YouTube worker out or at home yeah. by yourself. Like I remember yes. a friend, she only likes to go to this one workout class because it's just her people and it's small. But then some people, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger, likes to go to a big gym. And that's my husband. Yeah. Go to a big gym yes. and go work out and you get the energy from all that's the people. Right. And you know people. You see the same people there every day. Every day. And you know it and you love it and that's yeah. the environment you work out. Whereas me, I don't like that. So I go for a walk. I walk all the time and I have these bands I use at home. Mm -hmm. But it took me a while to figure out. It took me multiple gym memberships that yeah. I wouldn't use. Yeah. <laughs> all those kind of things to figure out. Okay. Yes. I'm just different. And there's I'm... no shame in figuring it out. Right. No. So like if you're a mess right now acknowledge I'm just trying to figure this out like That's I'm trying right. to figure out how do I get to church with my family on Sunday morning without screaming and yelling at each other that's right great acknowledge the problem and then, and then back up and look it. at yeah. some things and figure yeah. out how can I make this be different yes for sure I mean just learn to scream before they open the minivan doors that's right that could be step one <laughs> and then step two when there's oh I'll get I got caught the other day screaming at Creighton he um was driving a car he's a horrible driver he's driving a car and he was trying to turn in this parking lane. I can't even believe I'm telling the story. He was trying to pull in this parking lane and he got the gas. And cause I was like, you've got to turn in the, you got to turn. You're gonna hit the car. Turn, turn, turn. And so I'm flustered him. Cause I'm like, turn. Oh, you heard us on the car, on the phone too. I did. Screaming at him. I called Stopping you. In the middle it was of the, the intersection. Oh my gosh. He did it again this morning. He's so bad. He'll get there. He'll get there. But he slammed on the gas versus the brake. So the whole car goes up over the curb. Yeah. And I was like, dear good, put it in reverse, get out of the car. And we get out and Creighton was like, I mean, that was bad. And I was like, I'm, we're walking into a restaurant. And I was like, that was so bad. <laughs> like my hands, I have like this demonstrative look going on. And I look over in the parking lot and there's these two utility workers from the city of Frisco going, it'll get better, sweetie. It'll get better. And I was like, just, Showed my backside to the city of Frisco work group, just screaming at Creighton. Oh my goodness! It was so it was so bad, but I was like, oh. That will bring out. I'm driving. Will uh, it's so hard. Or driving it's to horrible. church on Sunday morning and having an argument, and then you open the doors and you're like, nope, act like everything's fine. Yeah, like it's okay to argue in the parking lot. We've all been there. That's just the realness. We're not going to judge you. We're going to look at me like, girl, it'll get better. Honey, it'll it will get better. It will get better. <laughs> it'll get better. Again, you'll walk in with a limp, come in, ask for forgiveness when you get into church, and you have your quiet time with the Lord, and you walk out with a little pep. And hopefully, step. the Lord will help you to that. There's something that's the you only can just one smile. that's going to help. You us. can smile. Well, I'm saying hopefully it'll help us all just smile and yes. laugh at ourselves, not take ourselves so seriously. Yes, sometimes, totally, totally. Sometimes there are things we need to, but other a lot of times no. we need to just chill out and take a deep breath and. I think arguing you know, with kids is something you can laugh about a lot later. Yeah. I mean, maybe a lot later, but I do think we can laugh at it. Because both of us are being slightly ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, usually the parents and the kids, there's a demands on both sides that are slightly ridiculous that can enter into the humorous oh, side for of sure. things. Because that's can't. where your adult kids start. Yeah. They start sharing stories. Oh, oh uh -huh. yeah. Remember when mom and dad, they would make us do this uh -huh. and this. And then uh -huh. you laugh now and you're going, that was ridiculous. Yeah. But we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, I, it's I, true. I, yeah, totally, hundred percent. It's true. Well, hopefully everybody's moving into this year with a mindset um, of joy, yes, and growth, right? Um, but if you're if you're already in a hard season and that season's following you into twenty twenty four, hopefully there's peace that can be found and um, the Lord's sovereignty. I pray that it um, just rests on you well, mm -hmm. and you're able to find a rhythm that um, brings some peace.
or just get you, know, you through the some season. joy, get you through this endurance. Yeah. Yeah. Just endure. And hopefully you have friends it. and you've got, mm-hmm. you know, church family and community that can kind of put an arm under your arm and help haul you through whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then if you find yourself in a kind of quiet time of amazingness, mm-hmm. then this should be growth, right? Mm-hmm. Not stagnation, but a time maybe that can be mm-hmm. used for forming great habits. Yeah. We could talk about that more, but we shouldn't. Yeah. Well, we got a whole nother interview mm-hmm. podcast. to get Oh, y'all to, are going to so. love her. I think it was so good. Yes. It's going to be fun. I found her just emailing her because yeah. I read her article. I think we talk about that, but we, we used the interview for the information, the, mm-hmm. the science behind it, just cause I was wanting to understand laughing. And so she, that's what she's there for. So if you're like, yeah. you didn't talk about this or that. Yeah. There were certain things that we did not enter into because Debbie and I talked about the Bible and the truth there. And she did a little, and we legit, I met her. I talked to her for like 40 minutes, but she was truly very fun to talk oh my to. Gosh, she was so fun. She was, so and fun. she was so real and she has science to back up. That's what we wanted. What she's talking that's about. What I, yeah. That's what we wanted. We wanted the science behind it and it's, and her articles are great and they'll be on the blog. So you can read her articles mm-hmm. too, if you want those. So yes. great. And I'm always super intrigued with how science just backs up things. The Lord has always mm-hmm. told us all along totally and I just think that's fun Mm -hmm. to show humans discovering things that Lord's been like yeah I I told you that but yeah I gave you a brain and you're curious and you keep keep doing your thing Mm -hmm. you know yeah so true (laughs) but uh you know I'm I'm here and I've I've said this all along Mm -hmm. but you know I love you so Mm -hmm. you just keep talking Mm -hmm. (laughs) but anyway yeah we hope you enjoy the interview we think it's a great way to start off 2024 yeah um and uh we're you know finishing this will be our some last few months of season four, we'll mm-hmm. be closing up our four season, um, in May, but which is kind of cray cray. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, thank okay. you for listening. Yes. Thank you for listening. <laughs> it's a joy, but, um, here's the interview, the first, um, noisy narratives podcast for 2024. So we are here today with our guest, um, Dr. Janet Gibson. And, um, I have only spoken with her for a few minutes and she's just fun and sweet and seem very kind. It seems to me already just her demeanor is just um, a joy to be around. And so we're excited for Christy to introduce her so that we can um, have a interview today that is full of laughter and fun. No pressure, Dr. Gibson, no pressure at all. So Christy, why don't you introduce her? Yes. Dr. Gibson and I met on the phone, what, about a week ago, but I was sitting, we were watching, I love a good movie and I love to laugh. But I always know that I have been stressed out or worried when I start laughing so hard I'm crying. But we were watching um, Mary Poppins at the house, and there is a scene where they laugh so hard that they float to the ceiling, right? And then there's a song that they love to sing to. Yes. Y'all the song? So there's a song. And this is it, and it's with them laughing, and they're having a great time. And that, for me, when I was little, I remember laughing and crying with them when I watched this, watched that scene. And so, um, even there's times though I will be laying in bed and get caught up on maybe YouTube Shorts or Instagrams, yes. and like bawling, laughing, and somebody will be like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Oh." Uh-huh. I'm just having the best time watching these people fall off a pier because they threw in their fishing rod and they're chasing after it. And I have a tendency to fall prey to physical humor, but whatever. So then I thought, oh, it'd be cool to have somebody come on to talk to us about 
laughter and the importance of it, because one of my favorite Bible verses is in Proverbs when it says, and she will laugh at the days to come. And I think that is such an important mentality to have when life is hard or life is easy, but having that ability to, to laugh. And so, um, I was Googling articles and I got stuck on one article and I loved it. And it was getting serious about funny psychologists see humor as a character strength. So of course I was like a character strength. That makes me so happy. You're so strong, Christy. (laughs) You're so strong. So I started reading it and I loved it and we're going to talk about it. But then I reached out to the author who is Dr. Janet M. Gibson, a professor of cognitive psychology at Grinnell College. And guess what? She responded back. I was so excited. This is why Christy does what she does. (laughs) Because this is how we get great people on the podcast. Because Christy just goes, we need to have that person. I do. You're so creative. mm -hmm. I was just like, we have a really small podcast, but we love to talk about it. We'd use it to encourage our ladies at the church. Um, Let me know if you're interested. And she was so sweet. And she was so kind. And very humble. Like, are you sure you want me? Like, I'm retired. And I'm like, yeah, but you still have the knowledge. Like, you still have because you are so well trained. So this is my introduction that we are very blessed and very thankful to have Dr. Janet M. Gibson, who has written Getting Serious About Funny, Psychologists See Humor as a Character Strength. And she also wrote Laughing is Good for Your Mind and Your Body. Here's what the research shows. So she wrote these two articles, but she is the psychiatrist, the professor of cognitive psychology that did the research for this. And so that's what we're going to dive into today. So welcome, Dr. Gibson. Hi, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. And you're in Florida right now. I am. I retired two years ago and uh, laughing because I don't have to do any work. <laughs> Good for you. But you were in Texas for a bit, right? You were at Rice. I, I went to graduate school in Houston at Rice University 1985 to 89. Nice. And then you, how'd you end up at, am I saying that right? Grinnell College? Grinnell College in Iowa. Well, there was a job opening in 1989 and I applied and they hired me and I stayed and I worked there 31 years. Oh, that's amazing. Now, how did you get in the field of, what is it? Uh, humor, laughing. How did you, how did that morph into into your life. Yeah, so at Grinnell, we teach uh, these first year courses to help students learn how to write, uh, do research, um, and participate in class. They call them tutorials, and we can pick the topic. And so for many years, I picked different topics. And then after 20 years of this, I was like, boring, find something else to uh, teach, uh, something not so serious. And when I was in college back in the 70s, uh, humor was not serious enough to study. So I was never encouraged to do any research on it. And I went into the database of the library looking at to see what might there be on humor that I could bring in class and have students write papers about humor. And I found all this stuff has been coming out, I'd say, since around 2010. Uh, the research has really exploded. Scientific research, research that I could do um, that required, you know, human participants to come and either... Um, appreciate jokes or produce jokes, fill out scales. And at the same time, the character strength research was taking off. And all these findings came out to show that humor was really good for you and laughing is good for you. And it correlated with love of learning and wisdom. 
And uh, I thought this is a topic I'm going to, to teach for a tutorial. And so I taught it using papers and stuff that I had found in my uh, research, but I didn't know anything. I mean, I was a newbie. And uh, before you know it, I'm writing articles on it. And then um, I was asked to write a textbook on the psychology of humor. So I went from studying only memory and problem solving and the serious stuff to finding out that, well, humor helps your memory. You're more likely to remember something if it has a twist or it's interesting uh, rather than boring and dull. And so it really fit with stuff that I already knew. And um, now I'm sort of a humor laughter specialist or was until I retired. So I came at it late in my career. Well, growing up, were you deemed like the class clown? Did you tell good jokes? Did you, I mean, how do you just fall into wanting to discover humor and laughing? I liked humor, but when I went to college, I mean, I, 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 you're funny. I'll give you that. Usually is the mm -hmm. same all your life. So I suppose I was funny. Uh, I was not a class clown, but uh, I had a warped sense of humor and uh, always like the the twist there of things that are strange and not expected so i i liked humor elephant jokes i can remember books like that when i was a kid but um i'm not really into comedies and laughing so i i don't laugh a lot in in uh, what you might think somebody who studies you know humor and laughter would but i i I'm funny to a point. I don't I don't score high on all those humor scales that they have created, but I'm in the middle. And uh, what happened was when I went to college and studied Freud, who was sort of still big in the early 70s, and uh, Freud had a lot of dark things to say about humor, that it showed your deep, dark secrets. And uh, I started looking at all my friends. Why are they making jokes? What's their deep, dark secret? And it really ruined a lot of relationships because I, I always thought people were uh, being uh, devious and they you know couldn't say things with a straight face. So they made a joke about it and uh, they really weren't friends. They were lying. It's a very thin line mm -hmm. between being funny and being yourself. Right? Some people are funny to hide themselves. And so Freud ruined humor for me. A lot of people who I thought were funny, now I thought were evil and, and devious. <laughs> uh, and so I kind of was disappointed with humor. And like the rest of the world, I would say, you know, we are to be serious. We are not to make jokes. And when I went to Grinnell, people didn't get my jokes. I would tell jokes, you know, in the classroom and nobody laughed. <laughs> So I thought, okay, you know, it was just a little bit absurd. And I can even remember some class evaluations that would say things like, she's really funny, but nobody else in the class laughed. <laughs> so um, recently, the very last year that I worked, somebody put together from Australia a textbook for teachers of psychology, how to use humor in the classroom to improve your student learning. And, you know, so I wrote a chapter about, you know, you got to use humor, but it has to be the right kind. If the students aren't getting your humor, they don't get the benefits of it. Mm -hmm. They think you're strange. They think you're weird. They're bored. They zone out. They do something else and they don't study. Or if you're too funny, all they do is remember the jokes, but not why you were telling them or the concept behind them and 
it, it can be a problem. So there's always positive and negatives of everything. And uh, I, I would say, you know, as a teacher, I was not that funny. One-on-one, uh, -on -one, maybe I'm a little more, you can kind of see, is the person laughing while you're talking to them. And then you keep going. Right? Mm -hmm. If someone laughs back, then, aha, I got them, you know, mm -hmm. and then you keep doing it. Like, you seem to appreciate my humor. But if somebody else were, oh, God, you know, she's not serious enough. Why should we pay attention to her? So it's a funny thing that in our culture, a lot of what you do, if you laugh while doing it, people think you weren't serious. And um, the more passionate you are about something, the less you find it funny that other people are telling jokes about it. So the advertising field has done tons of research to show that um, if you really care, say about an environmental cause, don't put humor in the commercial because people think you're making fun of the environmental cause mm. and not laughing with it. Um, a Tarzan commercial where he's swinging through the trees, but suddenly there's no more trees left. Okay. Because people have been cutting <laughs> down the trees to make toilet paper, uh, paper products and stuff like that. So everybody who doesn't care about the environment finds that funny. But As I'm laughing who right really, now, really, really so. care about the environment. Think you're you're making light of the situation. Yeah, because that makes me want to cry. Really? <laughs> yeah, that makes me sad. I found that quite humorous. <laughs> I think of Tarzan swinging with boy through the trees, and then all of a sudden, no more trees, and they just saw. I'm like, oh, that's so but sad. From the context, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like violence and humor is is a yeah. fascinating concept. If you watch any children's cartoons, they totally. are very Roadrunner. I mean, Think about the poor roadrunner yeah. and the coyote. The coyote has anvils that fall on his head. He falls off a cliff. Yeah, I didn't he like those going He never catches up. the roadrunner mm. and all his attempts that are very creative to try to capture him. I mean, why is that funny? And yet it is, right? So, so what's funny is... is I was not allowed, funny, I was not allowed to watch Popeye growing up. Really? Like, yeah, I wasn't because because it was all about fighting. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, and the humor was in the punching people. And, yeah, exactly. How, and so that's that so funny. funny. Yeah, now I look at it and I'm like, I don't know, compared to other things, I don't know how big, but for some reason it really bothered my dad. Mm. And I, I don't know that. if it was because, I don't know why, but he just thought it was Maybe too. Maybe he was just jealous of Popeye's muscle smooth <laughs> strength. Yeah, <His> muscles. <laughs> muscles. So, okay, so my job at our church is I'm the children's minister here. So I work with kids kinder through fifth, and then all their families, right? We do laugh a lot because kids are fun and funny. But like you touched on it earlier, there's kind of an art form to humor, right? And it is always one of those things as kids are growing up, you're kind of teaching them that line of how do you identify people you can joke around with a certain way and others you can't because you'll hurt their feelings, like sarcasm and, you know, that kind of stuff. And one thing in the article I was reading – um, that you talked about just even as early as infants, humor has and laughter has an impact on us. Like it strengthens our abdominal mus muscles and it engages our brain. And so if we have kids that aren't laughing, that don't get to laugh much for whatever reason, what impact does that have on them? Do you think? Well, it depends why they're not laughing. Mm. So if it's your personality that um, it's sort of like a scale of zero to 10. Some people will laugh at the drop of a feather. 
other people, you really have to be funny, funny before they even crack a smile. Okay, if that's their personality, I'd say they develop normally as anybody else. But if they're not laughing because um, they're surrounded by um, negativity or they're being punished for smiling. I know when I was a kid, I did smile a lot and I got yelled at at school for smiling at the teacher. But that was a nervous smile. Right. right. So uh, I'd have to say, you know, what's the situation that would cause a child not to laugh if it's their mood? Right. So if they're depressed and they just don't feel like laughing, well, that, of course, is serious and important. And we would want to pay attention to why they're depressed, not why are they not laughing, but why are they depressed? And um, so I say it would depend on, you know, what it is. Uh, many comedians say that they went into comedy because they were surrounded by unhappy things, broken families, violence in the neighborhood. And they found that by telling jokes, people responded positively. And so they got a lot of practice with it. And by the time they were adults, they were very well practiced at what makes a good joke and what doesn't. Uh, so, you know, it could be that if you're not laughing as a child, you might turn into a comedian <laughs> if, you, if you practice it. We yeah. know one. But, yeah. but on the other hand, you might just not. Uh, think of the American Gothic, the famous painting with the farmer and his daughter slash wife. No one ever says who it is that's standing yeah. next to him. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have a smile. That stoic not. German look. Mm -hmm. and, and the idea is if that's how you were taught, you're probably feeling pretty good that you're maintaining your culture. My culture says not to smile and I'm not smiling. So it, it's not a diagnostic as a child of like your future development. Hmm. Uh, if you're not laughing a lot when you're younger. But uh, since it's so universal, anybody who refuses to laugh or can't laugh even if they try, that might be an indication that something else is going on. And then it would all depend if that something else would inhibit their natural development. So is there any um, thing that you see that happens in a home that parents can do that can engage their kids in laughter in a way? If you, ha if you as a parent maybe um, aren't someone who grew up laughing with your family are you saying give you know, these people permission to laugh give them permission to laugh but then what are they like because it's I you're just right can't it's not imagine. as because your family's so different in that way. way different like yes. the whole family we laugh at horrible times time. we laugh at all the things and it's like horrible your and it's on great. the other side yes like people so like, have to be like okay you really should not be laughing right now <laughs> yes yes on the other end a hundred percent so then there's some on the other side of y'all but that makes me sad because i think you said this Janet, that some people are told not to laugh in right. situations mm -hmm. and that's like telling, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think you should tell somebody not to laugh. Like, no, don't like slap them and say, don't laugh. But like, Hey, maybe this isn't a good time to laugh. Or they've got a nervous laugh, right? Like oh, we some, know people like, have nervous laugh. Yeah, My kids even too. said that one time they were yeah. like, mom, she laughs a lot. And I was like, I mean, it's like her nervous laugh. Yeah, like she doesn't know how exactly. to answer a question. So she buffers it with ha ha ha. Yeah. yeah ha ha ha. Yeah. Or no. <laughs> But that is a good question. But what's fun things to do with their kids to just help laughter in the home? If Especially maybe if you're going through a stressful time as a family, what are some things you can do to bring laughter yeah, into the I home? I would say encourage play because, see, humor and laughter is really play. You're playing with reality. You're seeing a, a second side to things. So um, just 
you know, you pick up a stuffed animal and you play with it. It doesn't, it's not a stuffed animal. It's a horse. It's not a stuffed animal. It's a dog. You know, I don't know. And you make it move around the room or something. And then it does silly things. Apparently this is spontaneous for a lot of kids that they naturally play with things. So we see even infants, you know, playing with their diaper, putting it on their head and pretending it's a hat, an unused diaper. Yes. <laughs> And uh, so it's things like that where you see it's creativity, right? So some people say, if the child's not laughing, do something creative, and then laughter follows. But I think the opposite is true as well. Laugh around and then start playing creatively. So they kind of feed into each other, right? So you have to be able to be non-literal. Uh, laugh at the absurdities of things, Um uh, count to 10 before you get angry and then force a laugh and maybe the child will laugh in response. Uh, they say, the researchers, that, you know, laughter is a lot like a sneeze. It's contagious. Hmm. And there are mechanisms in the brain that will only turn on when people are present because that's how important other people are to us. We do certain things when we're by ourselves. We do certain things in the presence of others. So don't expect a kid, you know, will read a, something funny or watch a comedy and naturally will laugh. But if another person is there, you know, with them, that encourages them to laugh. So I'd say the parents should laugh. The parents should be playful. Um, they should encourage creativity. And uh, just point out the absurdities of like, hey, isn't that, you know, he punched him, but he doesn't have a bruise or he fell off a cliff and there's another dust cloud again for the poor coyote. Uh, but here he is still alive, a scene later, you know, to try to show and interpret why something is funny in case the kid's not laughing because they don't see it. You know, it, mm. it's actually very complex. You have to know how the real world should be. You have to have an expectation of what's coming next. Then when something else happens, that's not that. Instead of confusion, you need to see, oh, isn't that funny that there's another alternative that, you know, you that's get to awesome. live again. And so I have, can I have one more question? I feel mm -hmm. like I'm hogging you yeah. um, and then I'll give it to Christy. Oh. Christy brought up her family earlier and her family's like a great example. She's told her story on this podcast a few times um, because they're all just so fun and a joy to be around, right? Um, but their family's been through a lot. Like her mom, we had her on um, our podcast. She shared her story, been through a lot, but she laughs a lot. Mm -hmm. So so can you talk a little bit about how we talked about laughter in the home, but just how laughter is actually healing. I feel like it's been mm -hmm. joy has been a big part of their family's healing from some hard stuff. So can you talk a little bit about um, how it helps people heal? She, like, look, yeah, she's so about to laugh right now. Janet's like smiling as she's answering the question going, I've got so many thoughts on this. <laughs> so many things. And coping with the stress of having to answer a question. So, <laughs> um, laughter has, it has various functions. So one is the very act of laughing releases endorphins in the brain. So the neurotransmitters, when those um, neurons are firing in order to laugh or to appreciate humor, one or the other. You don't have to actually laugh, but it's stronger if you actually laugh at the same time. Um, and those endorphins help to make pain less, um, 
noticeable. You can tolerate pain more when you are laughing than when you're not. Um, so there is a physical benefit that already with other people who don't have a release of endorphins, they think, gee, what would I do in that situation? They imagine the pain. They don't imagine a muted pain, right? Mm -hmm. So they think, boy, that, that other family is handling it pretty well. So physically, um, you get more resilience, more strength just from having those endorphins come out, right? Uh, that consequently, it also lowers the stress um, hormones. So stress hormones activate your breathing, your heart rate, your stomach muscles, all those things that make you feel sick when you're stressful. So not only are you feeling a little bit better because you have the endorphins, um, you're also feeling physically a little bit better than somebody would think you would feel when you're in stressful situations. Now, you might still feel bad, but just not as bad, right? Mm. Whatever that extra benefit is for not as bad, you now have more ability to think. So as a cognitive person, this is what I like. You now have um, the executive functions to worry less and plan better. Well, what am I going to do about it? And because I'm not feeling so bad, well, maybe I can even tackle it. You know, I'm not going to curl up and be defeated by life. I'm going to actually be proactive and do something. So you get a physical uh, strengthening, but you also get this cognitive benefit of now my frontal lobe is working because it's all connected. What's fascinating is laughter connects to all parts of the brain. So that now my um, ability to plan, think, make decisions is enhanced because I am not focused on feeling physically bad, mm. right? That, that's a great benefit. Ask anybody who feels bad <laughs> how nice it is not to feel bad. It's suddenly like, oh my God, I'm alive. Mm -hmm. um, I have freedom. And that freedom to think helps you then cope with whatever the bad situation is. Uh, humor which is why you're laughing, we'll say, is because maybe you see the absurdities of life. What else? Now I can't pay this bill. You know, I'm not surprised. Or sometimes I laugh, I get a phone call, they're asking for a blood donation. And I say, first they want my money, now they want my blood. Is there anything left that people don't want of me? Because mm -hmm. people want things, you know. And then I just laugh because it's absurd, right? To think that they're after me. Everybody's after me with all these things. And um, it requires like a worldview of like, I'm not so important. Oh, that's the good. The world is really a funny place. It, you distance yourself from the problem. And I think families then, it's like everybody's distancing themselves from the problem. Then the problem isn't the important thing and not the only thing they're thinking about. Mm -hmm. They might see each other laughing. And then it's like, now we're enjoying the moment. So here's something terrible has happened and we feel close. We feel good. We feel loved. And, you know, that's pretty powerful compared to everybody wants my blood, my money, you know, and nothing left of me to give. I give up. So instead of giving up, you feel strengthened, you feel bold. And uh, all because you saw other people laughing. Hmm. That's good. Encourages good. you to laugh. It's just great. Yeah. You so said good. physically strengthen you. It's so funny. Whenever I think of laughing, and then when I laugh so hard, I end up crying. I feel like I have released something. Like, but I've never thought of it as a strengthening, which you're now helping me kind of realize it is well, a strengthening. Well, like your muscles, the muscles are getting oxygen. Yeah. The great thing about laughing, rather than just thinking about humor, 
when you laugh, you're intaking oxygen. Mm. You got to keep that up. You can't just say, ha ha, you got to inhale, ha ha, inhale, you know. So that oxygen is going to the muscles. And um, if you're tight too much, you're not strong anymore. You mm -hmm. might be strong at first. You know, you have to have strong muscles to lift things up. But you also need to relax and then recover the strength after you relax. So um, people crying and laughing both are a way to physically release the tension. But when you release the tension, you then bring oxygen into the muscles and it strengthens you to yeah. then move again. That's good. Well, and you mentioned like the worldview. It makes you think of the world in a bigger way. And as believers and women of faith, um, I always go to Proverbs 31. Where it talks about and she will laugh at the days to come it talks about a, like a noble woman woman of character what does that look like and I feel like that's a trait that we have to get to and it takes time it takes a lot of heartache and a lot of pain um to be able to laugh at the world to come because you know and you referenced it a little bit like there is something bigger God is bigger than than me there is more out there and so thank you Lord that you have kept me well for so long, you've kept me safe. You've kept me, um, you've kept your promises to me, but then to go, okay, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Like we talked about Sarah, um, Dr. Gibson, you and I on the phone on how Sarah found out when she, in Genesis 18, when she was pregnant and she laughed. Right. And so Debbie and I were kind of looking up the different tenses of what does it mean in the original Hebrew and her laugh is more of a mock, uh, really Lord, but we don't know, is she mocking <laughs> God or is she mocking herself, right? Like there's that, you can, you can kind of infer what you want from it, but this text does not show, is she mocking God? Is she mocking um, herself in that? But then to go back to Proverbs, I think Debbie's looking up some too right now, but mm -hmm. to go back to Proverbs, that still is my favorite one that I feel like when you've been through a lot, whether you're young or you're old, we have to teach ourselves to be able to laugh at the days to come, knowing that God's in control, he's sovereign, and he's still got it. Debbie, what are you looking up? Well, I I find it interesting, too, to just look at um, places in Scripture where God has talked about joy in times of trouble, like oh. Job even finding yeah. joy, and also in Philippians where it says, count it joy, mm -hmm. my brothers, when you hit trials. And I, I think, um, again, like our research in psychology and psychiatry, I mean, backs up Scripture so often because... Um, there's things we find about the brain that a lot of times God's already talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and it's already demonstrated with how people engage with the world around them and how Jesus engaged with people. Because even when it talks about, he talks about in Matthew about loving your enemies, um, you know, and it talks at different times about laughing at your enemies. Mm. And so that's the opposite a lot of what the world would say. They would say, hate yeah. your enemies. They would say, get bitter at your enemies. It's okay to take out your enemies. Cancel. And Jesus said, cancel them. Cancel them. And Jesus says the opposite of that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he just does. And so, because um, loving your enemies is going to bring lightness and at some point laughter, I would think. Well, I think that you're bringing More. up a great question for Janet too. Does loving and, or does joy, does laughter and humor always come from joy is what you're saying science is not always that doesn't show it to be true it's not always clear right yeah it doesn't only come from joy yeah um, it can come from many sources uh but... so laughter can be bad i guess if you're laughing at something that isn't good 
right? Yes, it can be. It She's can laughing be right now. If you are laughing to hurt people, and people do use laughter to hurt, so you laugh at people, you mock them, you um, are cynical, you use satire just to put them down, mm. not to make them feel good. And um, the laughter benefits might still be the same for the person who's who's doing that, right? If they're laughing uh, physically while laughing at someone, uh, but the other people aren't getting the benefits of it. Of course, they feel bad. And in general, the more you use humor that way, or the more you can only laugh when you put people down, um, you tend not to be a happy person. So they'll have scales where, you know, are you happy? Are you satisfied with life? Do you have a reason for living, right? Meaningfulness. Do you find life meaningful? And people who use negative humor and only laugh at people tend to answer worse, right? Lower on the scale. But people who laugh, who um, enjoy the laughter of others, who like to make other people feel good, they answer higher on the scale. And they say, yes, life is meaningful. I am satisfied. Um, that's why it's a character strength. It, car it, it um, correlates with kindness, love, justice, fairness. Um, and in fact, some people will make a joke to help raise up people who they think are unfairly being treated. So you can use laughter as a way to include people. I think someone in the room isn't being, you know, included. You can bring up a humor to kind of bring them in. And then we see all oh, we're all together because we're all laughing. So those are the kinds of um, humor that is good for you. And then laughing with it kind of goes together. Uh, but we had talked about you can laugh without having any emotions at all. You just do it. Ha, 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 ha. Mm -hmm. And it seems odd at first, but there there are now exercise clubs. They call them uh, laughter yoga, where you all you do is laugh. The problem is you don't go by yourself. You go with other people. So when you see somebody else, you know, <laughs> then you start laughing. And what starts off as artificial becomes uh, real, genuine humor because you realize how funny it is to just laugh. Sort of like the Mary Poppins scene, mm -hmm. right? You see people laughing and maybe at first, you, what's so funny here? But before you know it, everybody's laughing. Uh, that's a good kind of, of laughter, but it doesn't have to come from a starting point of joy. Uh, but when you feel joyful, it's a lot easier, mm -hmm. uh, kind of like raises the threshold. Life is horrible and serious and everyone walks around grumpy. It's kind of hard to laugh. Mm -hmm. it, it takes some effort. But when you're feeling joy or feeling kind and feeling love, then it's a little bit easier to start laughing at anything, yeah. uh, which is why most people say, you know, they'll laugh with friends more than they will with strangers. But mm. strangers can laugh together. It's yeah, called a comedy, club. <laughs> a comedy club. Well, in Proverbs, yeah. fi Proverbs 15, 13 says a glad heart makes a cheerful face. So there is something you're saying. I mean, it sounds Absolutely. like a lot of humor and laughter actually is a heart. If you're going to use it for the betterment of people and not yeah. to hurt people, it is a heart. It does come from the soul and the heart in some way. Yeah. There's a and great. The opposite is true as well. A cheerful face sends a message to the brain, I'm feeling cheerful. Mm -hmm. So there's some reason, you just smile, just smile for like 30 seconds and try not to feel better than you did 
30 seconds ago. It is really hard. It, it all works together. Your face reflects the inside, but it also, the inside then thinks the outside must be onto something and joyful for a reason. So I have two thoughts on that. There is a great team exercise where somebody lays down and you put your head on their belly, like the back of your head and you put on their belly and then somebody else does it on another person's belly. And so let's say you have 12 people on a team or 10. So you all are laying on the ground and the first person laughs and you just laugh one time. Ha. And the second person goes, ha ha. And by the third, and you just work. So the third person's ha ha ha. By the time you get to the end, everybody is dying laughing, can't stop laughing. And it is (laughs) to your point, like it is amazing how it affects um, just one laugh and then building on. And then everybody by the end is, just heart, a good hearty laugh. And then also to your point about learning how to smile. Um, when my kids play sports, sometimes they get too serious and that the game is going a weird way and they forget that they like the sport. Like they get so intense, they get so into it. It's not joy anymore. Cause they, they want to, cause win they missed so a much. shot or they lost yeah. or whatever. They're and coming then, down on themselves. Uh-huh. And then you can look at them and be like, smile. Like, remember you love this smile. And they're like, I'm not smiling. And I'm like, uh-huh, smile. Just, just smile a little and you just wait a little bit. And now it becomes like a get laughing game. Like I'm not going to smile. I'm not smiling. I'm not going to smile because my mom and by the end they are smiling. They are laughing. They might miss the shot. They might win. They might lose, but it does change their demeanor and their body language, how they play the rest of that game or for a bit longer to remember why you're playing, what you're doing. It's not the end of the world. Like it's not, life is not over because you don't feel good about the game, but reminding them to smile for sure helps them change their demeanor. What about sarcasm? I have a question for you on sarcasm. Your eyebrows yes, went up. Shall I answer sarcastically. Yeah. <laughs> what about <laughs> sarcasm is bad humor, good humor. You've, you touched on it without saying on it. I feel like nothing is bad or good in the absolute, right? It all depends why you're being sarcastic. It's a style almost. Um, If you come from a family, for example, where that's how they express humor is with sarcasm, you know, so when you're sarcastic outside of the family, you know, are you good or negative, you know, so it depends on the purpose. And that's why um, people hate psychology, because we always say it depends. It depends on the intention of the person being sarcastic. Are they being sarcastic in order to foster discussion and keep things going or are they being sarcastic as a dismissal right you say something and then I say yeah in a pig's eye Mm -hmm. or I don't know what the expression would exactly be and and you know the idea is well did that make everybody feel good after you said that Um, and if it didn't then I'd say that's definitely negative humor and does the person realize that they're doing it so in the humor styles world of research, they people tend to have one style that they prefer. And so some people like to tell story kind of jokes, you know, with the punchline and to make you feel good. And that is usually those types of people are not using sarcasm. There are people who have more of a negative style, but negative not meaning bad exactly. It just means they are doing it to put something down, either the content, to get their opinion. It's not literal, yet it's not pleasant either. Mm -hmm. And yet a lot of times a sarcastic joke, especially in comedians, you might get a sarcasm where everybody's laughing. And they say, that's so true. That's just so true. And they're laughing at the absurdity of the situation. 
Is it negative? Maybe, maybe not. So mm -hmm. I want to say if someone is sarcastic, that doesn't necessarily mean bad. But if that's the only way in which they can express their opinion, I'd say that's a problem because we should be able to control our degree of humor. Like if someone only tells jokes, they never can do anything else. Uh, a super class clown, someone who can only fool around. There's something wrong there. They don't quite have the social skills to interact with people. Sarcasm the same way. If you can only put other people down or point out the negativity of life and the absurdities that are so easily identifiable as negative, um, then I say something's wrong there too. You don't want to do it all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they sometimes, the dark side of humor, I've I have seen researchers call that, whereas the positive side is bright and light and sunny and attractive. The dark side, it's like, well, like a horror film is okay once in a while, but not if you're living in a horror film all the time. You don't want to scare people all the time, but once in a while, when appropriate, Halloween, okay. Mm -hmm. Christmas time, I don't know. Santa Claus is scary, but you know, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. That's good. You also write down, um, wisdom is a form of reasoning that increases with age and is correlated with subjective well-being. Humor is linked with wisdom. <clears throat> a wise person knows how to use humor or when to laugh at oneself. Uh, so true. Now, I don't want to say I'm very wise. So, of course, I only know what the researchers say. <laughs> but the idea is, you know, wisdom usually is a character strength that we desire, right? Who doesn't want to be wise? No one says, when I grow up, I hope I'm a fool, right? When I grow up, I want to be wise and knowledgeable. And uh, humor is so ambiguous. Laughing is ambiguous. When you see somebody laughing as you're talking to them, it's like, why, why are they laughing? You know, you have to figure it out. And so wisdom is knowing when someone who is laughing is doing it because they are enjoying it versus laughing at you. Like, oh, my God, this person is ridiculous and, and I don't follow at all. And that's the kind of thing that helps us. Social intelligence helps to increase wisdom. And supposedly, the whole reason why we have the idea that older people are wiser is because they have had all these experiences that teach them when something is true, when something is false, because many things in life are ambiguous, and we are trying to determine the truth, right? It's not easy to tell the truth. If it was, we would all know We'd be wise since birth, right? But we all figure out it's like a lesson to be learned, another life lesson, a lesson to be learned. Well, somehow wisdom emerges from that. And in developmental psychology, the belief is that it is the natural development of humans to become wise. So we start off reasoning. If I do this, I can make the, the mobile above my crib move if I move my arm and you start to learn about cause and effect and things like this. Then by the age of seven, you learn like the difference between right and wrong and you start to know if these are rules that should not be broken. Then you become a teenager and you learn to reason better and say, yes, but some rules can be broken under certain circumstances. Mm. Moral reasoning. You know, when, when is it okay to uh, smash a window to save somebody's life, right? Somebody said then it was okay to break into a store, for example, to save somebody that you saw was choking versus 
I can't break the window because it's against the law. Mm -hmm. So we learn there are times where we can behave this way or that way. And then the, the theory is, is that somehow in adulthood, we then are working towards becoming wise. And the research shows they have ways to measure wisdom uh, that uh, people score higher on those tests of wisdom uh, when they also have a good sense of humor, when they also report that they laugh with others easily. Um, so that is one of the reasons why we want uh, you need a flexible brain. You need a brain to be able to handle social situations that can be very ambiguous and complicated. And humor and laughter are one way, not maybe the only way, but it's one way to keep the brain connected so it has the right connections and the right um, levels of neurotransmitters in there so you're not one kind or the other. Um, flexible. And uh, that's usually correlated with, with wisdom. People who can see, when do I apply the rules? When don't I apply the rules? So do people do who, I, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, when to think of something remotely. I Oh, I remember hearing something back then, you know, and to bring it in, to realize it applies to the current situation, even though I haven't thought about it for a long time. So everything you're saying is just resonating with me. And I, I was... I can't remember. I know you talked about age and humor in your research, but is there research to show that people who laugh more live longer? And that's an interesting question. Um, there is some indication that that is true. Uh, the problem is that the people who laugh the most tend to be comedians <laughs> and they don't have long lives usually. Uh, maybe uh, Bob Hope and, and was an exception. Um, but they live a stressful life. Right. It is difficult being in the entertainment field where if you tell jokes and people don't like it, you might get tomatoes thrown at you or something like that. So there's you a might, balance just, between stress and humor that you have to strike, yeah. I guess. So um, the problem is you can't have, you can't be laughing at stress your whole life. And people have argued that if you're, if you only see the light side of things, then when you're getting warning signs, like, gee, I have a tightness in my check chest. <laughs> I'm not going to the doctor because I'm brushing it off, right? Mm. So then you die of a heart attack and uh, you're not going to live long if that's your attitude, right? So we have to take um, signs that something is wrong in our life seriously when they appear. And uh, Interesting. if you do that balance, you tend to live longer. But there is there's some uh, that doesn't mean if you died young, you weren't smart you weren't wise you weren't right. um a uh, good sense of humor yeah. um, well what you just not going to save you from you know death but mm. well what you help. what you just hope. said is is, a, is exactly what like luke 6 talks about if there's a balance blessed are you who weep now for you shall laugh and then you go down a little bit further and it says woe to you who laugh now for you shall mourn and weep so like what you just said there's a balance in your laughing there's a balance in your mourning mm. Yeah, it's just about everything needs balance, right? You can't you can't be an extremely happy person all the time. If you are, that also seems wrong. But uh, there's there's at least one theory out there that I know that kind of says it's like um, arousal. You can't be awake all the time. 
right? We get sleepy if we stay awake, say, past 30 hours. It mm. becomes really hard to stay awake. 30 so hours, can... girl? What in the world? It's hard to stay awake past 12 hours. What are you talking about, 30? <laughs> All right. Well, for some of us, it's yeah. an individual curve. Yeah. Everybody has <laughs> their own, their own uh, thing. Um, well, some people are tired after one hour. I'll put that it that true. way. But, you know, and the idea is you perform best when you're not super hyper and when you're not super tired. Hmm. And the same is true for laughter, that if you laugh all the time, then you're not able to get rest <laughs> and you're going to wear out. I mean, they just, the lungs need a, a break and you, you know, you're, even your mouth gets tired. People who laugh too much, yes. you know, my, my side hurts and my mouth hurts and, you know, you need a break. Muscles can't be used like that all the time. And uh, balance is always usually the best. And mm. uh, that's wisdom, knowing when, right? Mm, when to go when. to bed. When is it important that I get sleep versus not? And that's a whole other topic. A about whole sleep. nother thing. Well, yeah. um, we're actually running out of time because um, we've been talking for a little over 45 minutes. Um, but we just had a couple questions before we run off. I think Christy, did you have one? We do a thing called lightning round questions. Yes. These have nothing to do with humor, <laughs> but they are kind of funny. Say six words or less that I have to answer in. Is that why it's lightning? But we do want to say thank you so much for coming though, too. You've been great to talk to. I've appreciated it very okay. much, but these are lightning round questions. We give to all of our guests just to end on a light note mm -hmm. for sure. Okay. This one is what is the last show you binged watched and loved? Dark shadows. Oh, I'm sorry. I now that I'm retired, I have discovered streaming. Yeah, and I am watching all the episodes of Dark Shadows, which I watched when I was eight, nine, ten years old, wow. and uh, I, I love it still today. I see it now through an adult's eyes, and I love what the characters are doing. So, um, yeah. Okay, Shadows. That's good. Okay, we have a couple more. What is something that people often get wrong about you? <laughs> That I have a sense of the humor. humor. <laughs> of course. Uh, you got to play the obvious know, card. When they know I'm a professor, they think then that I'd be stuffy and arrogant. And as you well know, oh, yeah. I am um, casual and, and but I'm serious, right? I am telling mm -hmm. you about the research that I did. I'm not just making it up. <laughs> you are, but you're also very relatable for sure. Relatable is a good word. Yeah. That's what I would say to you. So what is your biggest pet peeve? That's a hard one to answer uh, because so many things uh, annoy me. Uh, but I'm a writer, and it drives me nuts that people who want to write think they don't need grammar and spelling. Oh, so my I, goodness. That preach. drives me nuts. They, yes. Um, so aren't you glad they, you're getting you know, out Whatever of word says is good enough for them. So mm. it's almost like using AI instead of their own brain. So, uh, mm. But yeah, I think my real pet peeve is people don't appreciate their human brain as much. Like humor and mm. laughter is really good for the brain. And um, because I'm in a retirement community, a lot of people, oh, my memory is going. And so then I said, well, what are you doing about it? Mm. And they say nothing. I was like, well... <laughs> Yeah. Could you imagine a six-year-old kid coming home from school saying, I'm not getting anything in school, and the parents saying, well, then don't study anymore? Mm, it's <laughs> true. We kind of stop. So, yeah, you're right. We stop learning and pushing our brains as we age, and right. we and should so still be doing it. When you're an adult, uh, an older adult, I hate to say an older adult, 
um, you have to study and yeah. you have to rehearse and you have to put the effort in and you have to keep your memory sharp. Otherwise, you know, use it or lose it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a pet peeve I have is that people think it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. I'm getting older. My memory will go. Um, it's I'm older. I don't smile as much because mm -hmm. the muscles, you know, don't make the face smile as well as that used to when you were younger. And it's like you put the effort into it then, like, you know, yeah. be active. Yeah. So my pet so peeve is people are too passive. I love it. Well, and you also said they don't appreciate the brain that God gave them. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great reminder. Okay, two more. The noisy narrative is about cutting through the noise and getting to the heart of the matter. What is your narrative right now? Fill in the blank. At now being in the show? Mm -hmm. uh, just no. being in life. Like where you're at in life. Life stage, season. Yeah, so I, I, um, I am continuing to aspire so my favorite phrase is uh, from Star Trek. I'm a big Star Trek fan. And uh, the android, there's two androids that are supposedly identical, but they are not identical. And the one said, I aspire, but the other does not. And that's one of my favorite quotes. And so right now, as I try to navigate retirement, I'm taking lots of classes and doing things. I'm aspiring to be better than I am now. So and you're an aspiring narrative right now. That's awesome. That I is love awesome. that. I inspire, yeah. But I just like I aspire, no, aspire. to yeah. master things, to yeah. learn things, and um, I I I like that. That the world is doesn't encourage aspirations that much, but um, I want to have my own aspirations and keep working for them. So two things you've already brought up is we don't appreciate our brain. And that the world doesn't appreciate aspiration or aspiring. I think that's so true. I love it. I love I it. Okay, here's right. my last question. You are a ghost at your funeral. What do you hope people say about you? Well, I hope they say that they they really liked me. Now, this sounds funny, but I can picture saying, oh, you know, remember when Janet did this? And we never really understood that. Mm. So I always worry that people like don't know, like, why did she want to aspire? <laughs> because, you know, I never accomplished all my aspirations. And so I wouldn't want people to be sitting around saying, yeah, she wanted to be an author, a novelist and never was. I would want them to say she really liked what she was doing, you know, and did it and uh, focus on the positive rather than the failures of what I didn't uh, manage to obtain. Um, so I would hope that if there isn't even a funeral now, after COVID, I got the impression there probably will be no funerals and I'll be a ghost saying, yep, nobody came. So whoever does come, I would like them to say, you know, uh, sort of a well done, faithful servant. That's right. <laughs> he was a good friend. And, you know, you want God to say that when he greets you, but you also want your friends to think like their life was better because I helped give their life meaning. Mm -hmm. Well, if you were local, we'd come to your funeral if we found we out would. about it. So we appreciate we your smile. time and your energy here for sure. Debbie usually yes. closes in 30, yeah. 40 years. I don't want the funeral to be anytime soon. Not yet. Well, thank you so much. Dr. Janet Gibson, we had so much fun talking to you um, and your your knowledge and your wisdom is insightful and uh, hopefully will be aspirational to some of our listeners um, if they're sitting at home with their families. Hopefully we will all laugh together. You can all mm -hmm. laugh together because it's good for you. Mm -hmm. It's good for you as long as you're doing it because you love and care for each other. So anyway, thank you so much. 
Um, we will let you know when this is coming out, but thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And I think the noisy narrative, I listened to a few of the podcasts, really great. So you're doing good work. Oh, well, thank, thank you, you so much. That was very kind of you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, until next time, everybody laugh out loud together and smile. Put a smile on your face. But until next time, this is Noisy Narratives out. Until next week. Bye. Not at all attracted to my life. I love to laugh. <laughs> life can be-